Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, episode 70 here on the podcast, and today we welcome in former Boilermaker and great from the 1980s, Todd Mitchell joins us. Todd, uh, thanks for taking time today to talk to us here on the Boilerball Podcast. Hey, Elliot. Glad to be here. Glad to do it. Well, um, wanted to uh, wanted to have you on for a long time. I know, um, obviously, our fans know um, who you are and what, all your accolades here at Purdue. One of the greats, as I mentioned, from the from the 80s and uh, um, early on in Coach Katie's tenure. And I'll, I'll, we'll get to that, you know, further on the podcast. But I've always thought that your your guys' teams and, uh, you know, those back-to-back Big Tens and the, the runs you guys had really kind of put Coach Katie on the map, Purdue back on the map, um, and really um, solidified um, – Purdue basketball, you know, from basically the 80s on until where we are today. So uh, anxious to talk about that stuff. But before we do, I wanted to, to kind of get into your childhood and your upbringing. Um, I know when, when Purdue came in your life, you were in Toledo. Were you born and raised in Toledo or is it, did you yep, relocate born and there? Raised. Okay. Yeah, born and raised here. Um, uh, my dad was from here. My mom wasn't. Um, she was from Tennessee, but um, she was from Tennessee. But uh, she ended up moving to Toledo area, and um, yep, this is where this is where it started. Awesome. So, what was uh, what was life like growing up um, in Toledo? Uh, Toledo was, um, you know, I think it's a uh, it's a nice, quiet place, good place to uh, raise a family, and um, uh, for me, and and uh, from the sports aspect. Uh, I went to a, a smaller Catholic grade school that, um, didn't have any sports. So the only sports I really got was, um, I used to play in a Y league on Sundays, had one practice during the week. And that's kind of how I grew up learning the game a little bit outside of just playing, you know, in the parks and things like that. But, um, that's kind of where I started. My first real, real organized basketball was freshman ball in high school. That wow. was the first time I ever really played on a, uh, <clears throat> a real organized team outside of, like I said, the, either the boys club or uh, the rec center and stuff like that. Wow, so, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So when you were playing, when you were, you know, grade school, middle school and stuff, it was just pickup games at, at those different places? Yeah, it was just pickup wow. games. You know, at the boys' club, go there, uh, play, at the, play at the local parks around town, but nothing, um, nothing that was uh, set in stone, teams, leagues, things like that. Didn't really have it. And, wow. And obviously that was the, 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 the very, very beginning of um AU basketball. Yeah. And there wasn't any AU basketball for kids for younger kids. It just was starting in high school, but at the younger ages there was nothing like that. So now when you played in these pickup games at the, you know, boys club or the Y or the parks and stuff, did you did you kind of notice were you better than other kids? Did you notice that or were you just another I guy? I was not. <laughs> I absolutely was not. I was a uh um I was a young gangly kid walking and breathing 
was tough chore uh, <laughs> at the same time. So um, I was really trying to kind of grow into my body. I was um, uh, I was probably seventh, eighth grade. I was probably six foot, six one, maybe. Um, so I had a little tough time at that. But then from my uh, eighth grade that summer before my ninth grade year, um, I grew about four inches. So, um, I had a real tough time Wow, growing into that. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was kind of a tough start. Now, when you played in those games, were the, were you playing against kids your own age? Did you ever, you know, I played, I, I mean, I played against kids my own age. I played against some old, older kids, uh, that beat me up pretty good when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it, uh, started to kind of accelerate the curve a little bit, um, being able to play with some of the older guys. I'd usually be the last guy picked because they needed, they only had nine and they needed 10. So, uh, I would always be the, uh, the 10th pick, be the last guy, last <laughs> guy picked, but that was okay because, um, it kind of gave me a chance to, to play with the older guys and kind of help me get better as um, time went on and um, you know then I went on into high school and that first year I played freshman basketball because that was the first real organized opportunity that I ever really had and I probably played half of the year on the freshman team and then I, I moved up and started playing on the JV team uh, the rest of that year. And then that's when that summer is when I really started to, you know, try to kind of take improve off my game and kind yeah. of take off from there. So when yeah. you, as you were entering high school, was it like a goal? Like, were you excited? Did you say to yourself, like, man, I get a chance to play now on a team? Or was it one of those things where you just kind of went out, made it? I mean, how did that all, all work? To be honest, um, my dad was a big football guy. Um, he was a big Detroit Lions fan. He played semi-pro football and football was always my, uh, first love. So when I was going into high school, I was highly excited about playing on the football team. That was the big thing for me wow. was playing, uh, was playing high school football. And I get a chance to do that. Uh, and actually I was walking through the halls. I wasn't even aware that the basketball tryouts were happening, but they were. <laughs> and the coach said, Hey, so it was tall. He says, why aren't you downstairs? I mean, why aren't you coming to the tryouts? I said, what tryouts? He said, the basketball tryouts. I said, Oh, I didn't really know when they were. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he said, well, tomorrow, 4.30, be at the gym. So I was. And, uh, that's when it, that's when it started, but I just thought I was going to play basketball because I was taller and I didn't really know if I was going to be good or not. Um, I had a really good freshman year in football. Mm -hmm. So I felt like that was going to be my, my thing. I was going to actually played. I actually played for three years. Um, I actually played football for three years. The only year I didn't play with my senior year was because obviously by that time, um, 
basketball, I had so many um, responsibilities from basketball standpoint. I, I couldn't I couldn't continue. Well, I was going to ask you when you were a freshman, how you must were you a pretty good football player? Were you one of the guys that stood out? I didn't hear yelling. When you played your freshman year in football, were you one of the guys? Were you a standout in football? Or were you, yeah, I was. I was a standout in football. I, was, I played tight end, defensive end. I played both ways. Wow. Um, I was, I was fairly athletic, at that time for football, um, and obviously you don't need as many fundamental skills on the football field as you do obviously on the basketball court. Technical fundamental skills. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was quick. I was quick. I had good lateral movement. I could jump. Uh, I could catch the ball. I good. I had good hand-eye coordination. Um, so from that standpoint, I was, from a football standpoint, uh, I was going to be a great prospect on the football side. Yeah, that makes. And obviously, a- we live in Ohio, and yeah. football is <laughs> yeah. king. That makes a lot of sense because I think nine times out of ten, when or it seems like anyway, when I, when somebody crosses over from basketball to football, it's usually at the tight end spot. You know, you got some skill involved yeah. there, catching passes, and normally they're guys just as 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 a basketball player you were. You know, bigger guys that played around the rim, and you got those big shoulders on you. I could absolutely see you being a tight end and uh, on the football field. So that's pretty cool. So, so as you uh, as you mature and go through the high school, um, your high school career, you mentioned kind of taking off there between your freshman and sophomore year. Um, at what point did uh, did college recruiters start calling? Uh, I think after my when I came back and I was my sophomore year. By the time I got to basketball season, my sophomore year, I was six six. And um, I played varsity that year. We had a couple of guys that were seniors that were getting some college looks. And also, you know, back then, college coaches were still coming to actual games. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Sitting in the stands and looking at players yeah, back then. Yeah. So, um I kind of got the eye of a lot of people that were coming to see other players. And so they got a chance to see me. I was young and they, they say, look at this kid. He's, you know, he's six, six, uh, kid can run, dunk the ball, got good hands. Let's keep an eye on this kid. I mean, I was only 15 at the time. Yeah. Um, that's when that summer I started to, I started to go to some different camps. It was the first time I'd ever been to basketball camps in my life. I was uh, 15, going on 16. And that's when uh, all that started. I think I went to um, a blue chip basketball camp. I think it was in Rensselaer, Indiana, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. And... Um, uh, there was a couple other ones that I went to around Ohio, and that's where it kind of kind of took off at that point. Yeah, it's amazing how much camps were a factor back then compared to now. You know, back when you were playing, that was a big deal. You know, get kids to your summer camps and evaluate, find out what you know how they are, and you know that's changed a, a ton now. Um, when we run our camps in the month of June. 
most of it is just skill development for younger kids. And yep. the, you know, we do host some high school shootouts that kids come in for in their high school teams for a day and they play some games. And that's a great way to get kids to campus and evaluate them that way. Um, right. But it was a, a lot bigger deal back when you were uh, when you were kind of getting recruited. Um, so when you were when you were attending some camps and stuff like do you have any recollections of some of the first schools you started hearing from? Well, yeah, I um, initially, which was surprising, um, Louisville was one of the first schools, Louisville, um, OU, um, Minnesota, um, and Purdue actually was one of the earlier ones too. Um, those, those, and University of Toledo, Bowling Green, kind of the local schools that are near yeah. me that are playing the Mac. Yeah. Um, obviously that saw me, uh, quite a bit over that previous year. Um, those schools were probably the ones that were um, high on my list back then. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I can remember um, Bruce, Bruce coming and uh, watching my games. I remember Bruce coming to watch my games. Um, I can remember Flip Saunders coming to watch my games. He was assistant coach at Minnesota. Um, Greg Campy, who's now at Oakland University, been there 30 years yeah, coaching. Yeah. He was an assistant at University of Toledo. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of these guys just coming to watch. So coming to the actual games. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so those were the schools that were, that were kind of in it early. And, um, then I went, um, that summer, I also got an opportunity to go to five-star basketball camp with Howard Garfinkel. Yep. And actually, yep. initially, they they had no spot for me. And my, my, my mother called and talked to uh, Howard personally and said, I guarantee if you let my son come, he'll do whatever you need him to do. Um, but he's going to be, he's going to be, he's going to be a great player. He's going to be a great player and whatever you can do to get my son in, uh, we'd be greatly appreciative. So, um, I got an opportunity to go Yeah, and you know how some of the guys are there and they, they, um, every night we, we bust tables. We were the waiters, we served the food and that whole thing and um but i played really well there so then you know fast forward from that experience to them being able to see me at that level and then go to my junior year um my junior year i was that was an outstanding year for us. We were 27 and one. We won the state championship. We were, we ended up being number six in USA Today, top 25. Nice. And um, um, I was the MVP of the tournament. So at that point, and during that whole run, again, coaches are coming to games. Like if coaches are around in town, they're coming to games. Like Coach Katie came to two games. Um, and as a matter of fact, John Wooden was at our 
at the state tournament at the the semifinals, semifinals and finals. Oh wow! Of that, and uh, uh, he commented on my play. We talked about schools, and I told him, I told him, yes, Purdue was one of my schools, and he <laughs> thought that that was he thought that was terrific, and um, you know. He That's gave awesome. Coach Brady a big plug. That's awesome. That's great. Um, so, at what point did uh, did Purdue start to kind of pull ahead in the recruiting process? Talk about talk talk to us about that, and then kind of what maybe uh, ultimately led you in making the decision to end up in West Lafayette. Well, um, I'll tell you, it was obviously you know you being around it and seeing it it's a it's a difficult process for any family to try to go to to make that right decision um i ended up narrowing it down to um purdue ucla um minnesota um syracuse and um Ohio U and shockingly at Ohio U I did. I really enjoyed the presentation of OU when they came in the home mm-hmm. uh, back then. Danny knee was the coach. Oh yeah. yeah. At OU. And my father, he just did not think that Danny knee, this guy has had so much success. He's at a mid major Todd. I don't believe that he's going to be there. Uh, yeah. Good call. Actually and, went on to Nebraska he, then. Yeah, he went on a and he was a hundred percent correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was a hundred percent correct. So, um, I think, but when we we went on a visit to all those places, and I really enjoyed Minnesota. Bruce Weber, he had been in the in the mix from the very beginning. From I mean, from the very beginning, and uh, so he had a lot of equity built up. Um, then I went on my visit to UCLA and at UCLA, I happened to be there on the same weekend as Troy Lewis was. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Yeah. It was myself, Troy Lewis and a guy named Rob Locke, who was a seven footer that ended up going to Kentucky. Okay. And, uh, Troy and I had, had an opportunity to to bond and to talk. And this was, uh, the fall of my, uh, senior year because we had met previously in five star, uh, that summer earlier, because that was the second summer when I went back to five star after that first summer of the year before when I played well, the following summer, obviously I, I was lucky enough to get an actual invitation to go. I didn't have to have my mom. <laughs> and, uh, that, that particular summer I was, um, I wasn't the MVP of the league, but I was one of the top five players of that week. And that included, uh, Chris Washburn was there. Troy Lewis was there. Uh, Delray Brooks was there. Um, there was a lot of good players there. Now, when Couple- you when you were around Troy at these camps and then on the visit UCLA, does Purdue come up? You guys talk about that? Do you, I mean, I'm yeah. sure you talked. Rec- yeah, at Five Star, we didn't. 
okay. that much. Yeah. Um, and five star we didn't, but once we got to the visit, we did because at that point, um, I had I had gone on my visit to UCLA I think three weeks earlier, and I actually committed to UCLA the next day after I came back from my visit because I was in a very unique situation. We had a lot of family that lived on the West Coast. Oh, wow. Um, my grandmother lived in Southern California. Um, two of my father's sisters lived there, and one of my sisters lived there. So it wasn't as difficult for me to decide that because I had a lot of family there. Um, but after a week or so or two, we had decided to back out of that commitment. Um, my mother kind of just put the kibosh to that. She thought it was just too far. Um, they weren't going to be able to travel yeah. back then. There wasn't cable like it is now. Yeah, yeah. She may have seen me play like maybe two or three times a year. Um, so, uh, we kind of backed out of that commitment and that at that same time, I was on my visit to Purdue or to, uh, UCLA and Troy after my visit with UCLA and I talked back with Troy and I said, listen, man, I'm backing out of that UCLA thing. Um, I know we talked about it a lot about coming to Purdue and he says, listen, man, if you, commit he said i think we can get this other kid out of illinois this kid named everett stevens <laughs> if Boy. the two of us go i think that'll be enough to get everett stevens wow and i said i didn't know anything about everett i said is he pretty good he said oh yeah he's really good he's really good and um, I said, okay, well, uh, the next day called committed. And then I think two days later ever committed. Wow. So that's, that was, that's awesome. That was the, that was how the, uh, triplets happened. That's a great story. And you know, what's, what is cool about that is, um, and, and I know every kid's different. Every kid goes to, you know, picks ultimately picks their school for different reasons. Um, but one of the things that I've always been, we've always kind of talked about here is that sometimes uh, young men get um, a little intimidated by pl with playing with other really great players. And it's one of those things where I don't, I don't want to use the term selfish, but you know, some kids want to be featured that you hear that word a lot in mm -hmm. recruiting and some kids want to have, you know, they want to get a majority of the, of the shots and the, and the offense go through them and things like that. But it's always great to hear players when they, when they are excited to play with other great players. And that's something that I know every time in the last 20 years, we've got a kid that when he's excited about the kids he's coming in with or the kids we already have in the program. And he's like, man, I really want to play with that kid. That'd be awesome. That's always a great sign. And like those, those players always end up having a lot of success because in basketball, any, any sport really in basketball in particular, you can't do it alone. You know, you need to have good players. And if you embrace that, that's when it leads to great teams. And you guys obviously did that. You know, and, and that's very true because this is not a singular thing. This isn't tennis. This isn't golf. Uh, this is a team sport. And so when you go around and you look at um, 
teams that have had success. And the big reason, a big reason why uh, my thought process was that was because I looked back at what my college or my high school career was like and the amount of players, good players that I played with. Our whole starting five went division one and wow. we were 27 we were 27 and one um you know two of us were juniors and the other three guys were seniors when we won it in my junior year wow. um that whole starting five won division one and so to me i already had a picture in my mind you've got this is what you have to have yeah you have to have you have to have a player like this of this caliber you have to have a player like that of this caliber because during that run I saw multiple players win games for our team, not just me. Yeah. I saw other guys do things, uh, sacrifice things in order for the team to win. So I was able to see that firsthand and be involved in that on a high school level. So when I was trying to decide and go to college, those were things that I hearkened back at and said, well, what does this team look like? And I'm looking at that team. I'm saying, okay, um, Troy's a great shooter. Um, I'm a good forward. We need a point guard. Everett's a great point guard. And then I'm looking at what Purdue had and the fact that they won the Big Ten the year before. Coach Katie's first year winning the Big Ten was the year before I got there. And they were picked, I think, ninth in the league, tenth right, in the league, right? Something like that. And they had a group of guys: Jim Bullock, uh, uh, Eifert, and Kirk Clausen, and uh, Steve Reed, and uh, you know, yeah. uh, I mean, they had they had Rowinski, and he was their premier player. But everybody else was kind of like kind of a role player. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't now I was that's it's interesting you bring that up because. I was going to get into that transition um, as you come to Purdue and it, you you hit the nail on the head, that 84 team, Coach Katie's first Big Ten championship team. How much of that was an attraction like, you know, a, t- a program that has having success? You know, that had to be a big factor in, in, in all those programs you mentioned were successful programs. But, you know, in Coach Katie's case, you have a coach here now that was – um, he won his big first Big Ten, his fourth year as head coach uh, at Purdue. Here was that a big deal to to know that you were going into a place that you know you thought could have some success? Of course. Um, if you look at if you look at what they did the year before I got there, um, uh, clearly he knew how to coach and how to get the most out of his players. I mean, heck, his team was picked to finish ninth in the league, and they <laughs> right. won the league. Right. Right. And you can't win that league on luck. You may you may be fortunate a couple nights out of the year, but you ain't winning that league on luck. You're yep. winning that league on uh, solid coaching, um, competent players, fundamentally sound players, and um, competent play in that league. And so for me, I, I was, you know, I thought that now – you elevate the level of talent from what he had and how much more success could we have right if you you know if you elevate that and you put a shot in that and nothing against any of those guys that were there 
um, <clears throat> they all did a great job, uh, clearly. But if you bring in that those caliber of guys, um, I felt like we could be in the mix and do some good things. So when you make the transition, you you come over to West Lafayette. Um, how was that that transition from high school to college? And how was your first um, that, year here? <laughs> that transition it started the summer before. Uh, Everett and I had a studio apartment. Uh, we came over here to work. Um, we worked and then we worked out at night. Um, I worked for a gentleman named Ray Brummett. Yeah. Yeah. And, I'm, I'm, and his wife. Yeah. Ray and Shirley. Was, uh, yep. And Shirley, who I had the, I had the pleasure of seeing, I, I had the pleasure of seeing this year, yep. which, and she looked it's like she has been a time capsule. She's ageless, and she still comes to games. I see her. Every she once still in a while. comes to games. Yeah, yeah. She still comes to games. She's ageless. I'm like, Shirley, you're 30 years. You're, 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 you're. <laughs> it's been 34 years, and you look exactly the same. Yeah. And she still gets up, does her chores, does her stuff in the morning. It's amazing. Um. So I came in and I worked for worked for Ray. Worked on the farm, and uh, played at night. So that was um my first uh indoctrination into what it's like living in the fields of uh indiana driving a tractor <laughs> driving a tractor uh, cleaning out the hog house and uh cleaning out grain bins uh, I, I didn't it's think, a lot different than the jobs i had in high school <laughs> i didn't think you were going there with that i i that's i didn't realize you worked out there but that that is probably as unique a transition to college as i've ever heard from uh from one of our former players. Um, so you guys, you, you get here, you get acclimated, you train, and all of a sudden the season starts. Yeah. And, and all uh, of a sudden the season starts. And a funny story is that uh, that first year when we started um, preseason, and, you know, I, I think preseason today is a heck of a lot different than it was for us. Um, I don't think that they – I don't think you run as much as we ran. I don't think – I would think you're right. I think you guys. Yeah, it's yeah, all a lot think, less than what you guys did. <laughs> yeah, it, it. Yeah, I don't think it's nothing like what we did. So, after that first two weeks, um, because the first, if, if you if you know, I'm sure you know uh, how that process went. The first two weeks, it was a six week program up until uh, we started uh, practice. First two weeks was running, distance running. So. You start out for four days. You start out at 2.2 miles and it gets, and you continue up until I think on Thursday, you're at three, three miles, three and a half miles. And then on Friday, you do a six minute mile. <laughs> and if you don't make the six minute mile, uh, no, it's a 530, six minutes for the big guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 530, don't make it Saturday morning. 7 a.m. back on the track do it again yeah uh, and then the next week we it the runs get longer and on thursday you know we had what was called the long run that was the one time completely around campus out by the airport and you come all the way back around the Mackey, which i think was uh close to a five mile run and then on friday you did the 12 minute two mile <laughs> You know, you, these stories are why uh, when that term load management came up in the NBA a couple of years ago, 
some of the old school guys were scoffing, <laughs> were scoffing and saying ridiculous load management. What is that? You know what we used ridiculous. to do back in the day? Oh man, with 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 way less. We did it with way less. I mean, we didn't have the amount of you know things that you have to to uh, get your body back every day like what they have today. Well, talk but, about what your recovery was. But, that was Sunday in the, the pool, recovery, right? Well, the recovery was tough. But what I will say is um, I called my dad after those first two weeks. I said, Dad, I don't think – I said, we're hardly even playing any basketball. All we're doing is running. I think I feel like I'm on the track team. You know, <laughs> I think if I could transfer right now, I might could um, still play, still be eligible to play <laughs> this year at the, at the second quarter, so it's second semester. I think I would still be eligible to play. And I called him and I said that. And all of a sudden there was nothing on the other end. Come to find out he had hung the phone up on me. Yeah. And I called my mom back. I said, Hey, I think we got disconnected. She said, no, son, you ain't get disconnected. <laughs> he said, he said, your father said your commitment is your commitment and whatever you got to do to work it out, then you're going to have to work it out. Well, and that was it. That was that. Yeah, that 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 was a, that that story was a lot more common back then. Nowadays, it's uh, it's a little a little different sometimes. Yeah, it's 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 a lot different these days. But um, the recovery. Speaking when you asked me about the recovery from those kind of things that we did, I mean, there really wasn't. I mean, you took it easy on the weekend, but there really was no extra things to do to recover yeah you just sat at your desk during school and said saying to yourself god i can barely move yeah you know yeah you can sit there you're just sore you're just like Man, I, can, I can barely move <laughs> um and then by three o'clock you'd be right back out there wow so it was um and then the next week, the next week was uh, the hills. So we'd be there for two weeks. And then the next, and then the next weeks, the next week, the next, the last two weeks were sprints in the gym. Sevens, sevens, and uh, I can't remember what the other ones were. 24s, wow. I think. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. they still do those. Yeah, that's what people. Seven and a halfs. I don't know if they still do those. Yeah, we do the seven and a half still. We do, we do, we still do our mile um, to start things off, but we just okay. do the mile. We don't do anything over that. And then Ooh. we go into, then we go into, you don't know, two twenty two more. Yeah. Past that then we go to the sevens and and uh, and then we'll do some two twenties in there the on the track and a yeah, few. Yeah, we did two twenties too. Yep. We did the we did the hill the hills and the two twenties were kind of mixed. Yep. Yep. We'd mix those two. Yeah, we we got away from some of the other stuff. We got away from the two mile. We got away from the stadium stairs. Some of those things. So, mm -hmm. but so some of that's. Uh, and, but you know, at the same time, I think Coach Painter's a little old school, and obviously he went through a lot of that stuff too. You know, a few years obviously he after did. you guys, but uh, but he did a lot of those same things. So we still do some similar some similar type things. Um, but 
safe to say that uh, preseason conditioning is a lot different. But, um, you know, one thing I was I was looking here um, when you guys came in, I, I didn't know this answer until I looked it up because we just talked about the 84 team wins the Big Ten. They go 15-3. and three, And I was curious um, because normally when you win, a, win the league or have a really good year, um, especially if you have some roster turnover, you know, there could be a little bit of a dip um, in terms of, you know, that next year. But you guys, in your first two years, you went 20 games your freshman year, 22 games your sophomore year. You guys had good records mm-hmm. in the Big Ten. Um, you guys really kind of picked up um, right where that team left off. There wasn't really a, a noticeable dip, so to speak. Um, and, and your freshman year, you guys come in here. Um, one of your first games is against Kentucky. Uh, you beat Kentucky, mm-hmm. and and you guys. I mean, you had a great start to that season. I'm looking at the at the season here. I think you started looks like eight or, or nine and one or ten and one to start that year. Mm-hmm. And you got. I mean, you came in guns a blazing basically as as you started your college career. Yeah, we had a great start to the year, um, and I and I think that. Um, to your point about the success that we had because Troy and I and, 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 and Everett, we were coming from the bench that made that those teams so deep. Yeah. <laughs> you, if you guys are coming off the bench, wow. We were, yeah. I mean, we were coming off the bench. Now Troy started a little earlier than I did. Um, Troy might've started uh, maybe 10 games into the year. Not sure. Cause I think they were starting both, uh, Steve Reed and Matt Gaddis together. Okay. And then, uh, Troy came in, Steve, uh, Steve kept starting and Troy came in. Then Mac started coming off the bench. Um, but, and then near the, near the start of the big 10 season, um, then I started, I had my first start. Uh, so, but for, for that early part of the year, I mean, we were, we were all coming from the bench. So uh, when you, we come in the game, if we were in front, that lead increased, or if we were behind, we got us back in the game. Yeah. And Troy and I always would come in together and we go sit at the table <laughs> and we say, well, let's go get this thing back in order. Wow. That is cool. So, um, let me ask you this: You guys, in your freshman year, you sweep IU. Your first Indiana Indiana Purdue game experience. They were ranked thirteenth in the country, and it came into Mackey, and you guys beat them sixty two fifty two. What do yep. you? What can you tell us about just the rivalry? And do you remember, have any specific thoughts about that first game? And well, um, I remember the first game as being uh, at home. Mm-hmm. Being never being in a position anywhere in a concert, sporting event, anywhere that was as loud as that was that day. Yeah, I I I just had never you know experienced anything like that, mm-hmm. and that was the first time I experienced what real, true um, home advantage was. Yeah that day i can imagine that was that was truly amazing and then obviously when we went down two great things happened when we went down to uh bloomington was 
that was the night before when we go to practice and you know you're you're doing your walkthrough and you and uh, you're going over uh everybody's offense and stuff like that coach told coach told me to turn black and i was like okay <laughs> i'm out here i'm out here with the starters which means right? yeah which for those who don't don't understand that means you're getting the starting nod you're getting the starting nod i'm like oh, okay that's good 18 year old kid your first start is on the road at iu <laughs> and that's a great place to just ease you in yeah and um so that was my first start that was first big thing and then obviously that day that was the chair that was the day of the chair oh wow okay that was uh my freshman year so um and and it's so funny people ask me well why do you throw the chair and i said well here was the thing with coach knight coach knight was one of the first people that i don't know if he taught the flop but he encouraged players his guys to fall down like if you were trying to bust through a screen uh-huh. he'd encourage his guys to <laughs> fall down and get the offensive foul gotcha gotcha and so during that during that game i was going across the lane trying to get uh you know just going across the lane to pick and um picked a guy he fell down didn't get the call play went on Coach Knight's upset. He gets a technical. He walks all the way out on the floor, try to get him to go back to his bench. He wouldn't. Gets a second technical. (laughs) Then he doesn't want to leave the court in a timely fashion. Then he gets the third technical. (laughs) And then he finally leaves to the rousing ovation of the fans because he thought that that was going to help him. Mm -hmm. But uh, that was a huge turning point in the game. We made all six free throws and a basket. That was an eight-point swing. And uh, we ended up winning that game down there, too. Yeah, you uh, you never lost a home game against Indiana in your four years. You guys, uh, no. great no. great success. And then I think when I said at the beginning of the show that I think that that was really when the program kind of took a, the next – a step to the next level, you know, you guys come in your junior year, uh, you know, with a top five ranking nationally, um, you get off to a great start. You, you lose a game with showdown with a top five matchup to North Carolina, but you know, really your only, that was your only blemish in the non-conference. I mean, you rolled through the non-conference season. Um, mm-hmm. you start big 10, five and Oh, you play a, a, a Louisville team here in Mackey and beat them. And, um, you know, the Big Ten was really good that year. Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, all in the top ten, um, along with, with Purdue. Uh, and you guys cruise right along um, and win the Big Ten outright, 15-3, and uh, 25-5 and overall. But basically enjoyed a top ten ranking your whole year as a junior. And then you go into your senior year and you're ranked number two in the country. Um, and after a little home slip up to Iowa State, you know, you roll off a bunch of wins in a row. Um, I hated that slip yeah, up too. Yeah, well, was, but but talk about that. Just those your junior senior year. I mean, just you know, you really never lived life outside the top ten. I mean, you you no. you know, it was incredible. And I think that is really kind of what took 
Purdue basketball under Coach Katie to that magic level. You know, being a top mm-hmm. ten team basically for two straight years um, and being considered, you know, a, a national title contender and, and one of the best in the land and, and two, mm-hmm. you know, your Big Ten record, I think it's just amazing, your Big Ten record um, for you guys in your two years as juniors and seniors, 31-5. and five, uh, It's just, man, that is some good stuff. I mean, just talk about those two years and all the success you guys had. Well, I think that um, a lot of the success that we, a lot of the success that we had, a lot of the success that we had came from, um, came from being. I hearken back to that high school uh, group of guys and having those same kinds of players on those teams. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Everett, you have Everett Stevens, who was a great defensive player. You had shooting. With Troy Lewis, he had great shooting. You had, um, in, that, in that, in my junior year, you also had Doug Lee, who was a great shooter, transfer from Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. And then you had myself, that was a slasher and a rebounder, athletic guy. And then we had Melvin McCants, who had came in from uh, from Chicago, and Kip Jones, who in and Kip was a great defender. He was really athletic. And everybody knew their role and nobody cared. Yeah, about, yeah. Nobody cared about who who was talking, who got the press clipping. Nobody cared about that. Um, all we were concerned about is the fact that we were um, rolling up wins. And I think that was a big key to success. And I always look back at some of those other teams that you mentioned mm-hmm. and how good those teams were. And one of the teams that really sticks out is that is uh, University of Michigan and Illinois. Mm-hmm. I mean, those teams were stacked uh, with great players, yeah, great NBA players. And the one thing that I can always remember and is the fact that we were always, and this is a tribute to you know Kevin Stallings, Bruce Weber. Um, and that staff, we were always better prepared than the other, than the opponent. We always, we always knew where, what we needed to do better than what they thought. And we also knew what they were going to do. And we were always more prepared and to beat some of those teams, Michigan teams, uh, with the amount of talent that they had, it was, um, uh, and to continuously beat them, you know, <laughs> right, it right. Like we didn't, like it was a, uh, a slip up. I mean, we were continuously beating them. I mean, when you have a team like, uh, Michigan, when they had Lloyd Vaught, Mark Hughes, Gary Grant, um, Ramil Robinson, I mean, all these guys are in the league and, um, we continuously beat those teams. Was, so, was that one of the um, – when you played Michigan, Was what was more important to you? I know Toledo is so close to Michigan. What, sure. what, did you consider that more of a kind of a homecoming when you played in Ann Arbor versus Dan Columbus? No, I think Columbus was gotcha. bigger. Okay. Gotcha. Columbus was bigger. Um, and uh, we won down – we won some down there. We lost some down there. Uh, I think my freshman years, my early years, when they still had Stokes and Taylor, mm-hmm. um, the two little guards, little five eleven guards, they were just a terror. And uh, uh, 
Then they had Jay Burson. Um, I think we we won a couple down there, lost a couple, and then we won predominantly at home. But I think they beat us my senior year, I think, at home. Mm-hmm. Ohio State did. Gotcha. What was um... – the big homecoming. The big homecoming was uh, when I decided to commit to Purdue. My dad told Coach Katie, "My son comes there. I would like for you to play University of Toledo in a home and a, a home and away." Uh-huh. And Coach said, "We'll we'll do that." That's cool. And he and he was a man of his word, and he did. That's and cool. And we came here. Yeah, we came back here and played. They came to our place my junior year, and we. I think we were uh, in Toledo my senior year. Oh, that's great. So um, as you as you're winding down, I mean, obviously, you know, I and I, I talked to we had Troy on. Um, I had him on a few episodes ago. And uh-huh. as you as you wind your career down, you know, obviously the heartbreaker to K- Kansas State um, yep. up in uh, up in de- outside of Detroit. Um you know what? What are your thoughts? I mean, I always I, I hesitate to bring that up because I know it's just such a painful loss. But uh, I'm always interested on on you know another perspective on it. You know, um, it's just it's a very painful loss just because I think that we were prepared, but you always it's very difficult to play a team where you just blew their doors off in the same year. Mm-hmm. You know, we had played them in the non-conference, beat them by 25 or whatever we beat them by in the non-conference, um, and then come back and play them again in the tournament. They have all the motivation in the world. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think we were the n- number one overall seed, I think, because we had a really good draw. Mm-hmm. I mean, we played the played the first two games in South Bend, yep. and we were at uh, the Silver Dome in Detroit. Um, so we had a pretty doggone good draw, and so there was more pressure on us. And I think, from coach's perspective, and what and what Troy and I talk about all the time is that really hurt us because we thought that that was coach's best to that point his best opportunity to get to a final four. Right. Yeah. No doubt. No question. That was his, that, that was it. And we felt like losing to a team like that, we really, we really let him down. Yeah. And Troy talked about that very similar sentiment. Um, But, and I I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, that should not take away you know it was a obviously anytime a guy plays in his last collegiate game and the runs over you know it's disappointing but like as you look back um you know the two big 10 titles and just taking mm-hmm. taking this program to the to the next level i really believe that you know your guys' success set the program up for all the success they enjoyed then throughout the 90s and uh yeah well if if you look at the things that we did if you look at the things that we did, clearly the kids that came after us, you know, whether it was, you know, Glenn and Conzo and and a lot of the guys that came directly after us, um, they saw the level of success. They saw the level of tenacity, the hard work, the teamwork of those teams. Mm-hmm. And, it, and trust me, back then, 
high school coaches had a lot more influence clearly than they do today. Right. And high school coaches saw how Purdue played. Mm-hmm. They saw how Purdue played. They saw how Purdue looked. Like, I mean, you know, coach played football. So we, we lifted in the weight room like a football team. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. we weren't doing basketball-specific things like you guys do today. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Steve Scheffler was, you know, on the hack squat doing 600 pounds. I was doing 325-pound <laughs> benches. Like, it, it, th- that, those things aren't happening today. But um, those high school coaches saw how we played – and um, the tenacity we played with on defense and how intelligent and smart we were offensively. Mm-hmm. And so that helped in the recruiting process too. And so then you got, you know, you found, you found your way to, to those guys, to Robbie Hummel and, you know, <clears throat> on and on. Great players. Right. And you, had, and you had an opportunity to have all those great teams. And, you know, once you start – a little bit of success obviously uh with coach it, it it just continues and i just um the thing that really um bothers me is just through all those terrific times um we couldn't get to one final four and and we've had and we had our opportunities right you know? talk um, about talk about that with kind of coach katie and you mentioned kind of a run of players there and the success that this program's had and just you know, where we're at now is like kind of we always reference on here the Purdue basketball family and what it means, you know, to get back and still, you know, have Coach Katie so active and a part of the program, um, you know, since Matt's been in, at the helm. Um, just talk about, you know, that, that whole aspect of the Purdue basketball family. Well, I think that uh, at this point, Matt's done an amazing job of connecting the past to the present. Um, not a lot of, um, coaches do that. Not a lot of programs do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dennis Hobson, who went to Ohio state, uh, Jim Jackson, who went to Ohio state, um, are both good friends of mine live here. And we talk about that all the time. They talk about how they're, um, they haven't been really connected to the program over Mm -hmm. a lot of years. Yeah. Um, I think they've started to do that a little bit more now but it's been over 30 years. Right. Uh, but uh, with Purdue, it's always been a family-type atmosphere. They've always been open to other players. Uh, and I think Coach Katie uh, taught Matt that when he – taught Matt that when he was here. As, an, as, an, as a player, he saw it. And as an assistant coach, he saw it. And, you know, he's just continued that process. Yep, and I think uh, you know it's guys like you that that make it. You know, you guys are always great about coming back, and anytime we need you know help from our former guys, you know, you're always one of the guys that uh, is willing to help, and we reach out to from uh, from time to time. So we always uh, we always appreciate what you uh, what you give back to us as well. So um, yeah, because we love to see the program succeed, and um, you know whatever we can do to help that along the way in some whatever small part it might be you know i think that we're always uh there and willing to uh do that and obviously we all appreciate how you guys open 
open your arms up to the uh, to the former guys um, during the year and and even in the off season as well. Well, we and we appreciate you uh, playing in the, those those alumni games and getting up and down the <laughs> get up and down the Man, floor. I was I was, <laughs> I, I, I was I was so I was I was going to be ready. Yeah, we COVID were going to have us, one this man. year, and COVID got in the way, so we're going to push it to uh, the August of 2021. Hopefully, everything gets back to normal. Yeah, um, hopefully, every well, I may not be normal by then. <laughs> well, as we wrap up here, Todd, I want to we end all of our podcasts with the final four. There are four questions, kind of off the beaten path, and I want to ask them to you here, Todd Mitchell, our guest here on episode 70 of the Boilerball Podcast, and the final four. Uh, first question to you, Todd, is uh, what is your go-to music of choice? My go-to, my go-to music. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a real hip hop guy. Okay. I'm a real hip hop guy, but I'll I'll preface that by I'm a big '90s hip hop guy. Oh, okay. So I'm a real, you know, I'm a real Tupac Biggie guy. Gotcha. Okay, so a little oh bit God. later than maybe when you were in school. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, nineties, two thousand hip hop guy. And so, how? Hey, how, before we before we move on to that second question, in those nineties, what were you when you wrapped up from Purdue here? Uh, tell us about your your stops after when you continued to play ball. Well, um, when I left Purdue, I was I was a second round pick of the Denver Nuggets. I was second round. I was a second round pick of the Denver Nuggets, and. Um, I ended up getting cut from from them on the last day, and then uh, I got picked up by the Miami Heat. Ended up playing with the Miami Heat that year, mm-hmm. and then had a couple of cups of coffee, ten day contracts with the Spurs, and then um, I was playing in summer league uh, with the Spurs, hoping to try to work out a, a guaranteed deal, and then a guy from Greece approached me and said hey would you be interested in coming overseas playing in greece and um i said well why would i do that and then he told me what you were getting paid and i'm like it's more than i was getting paid here <laughs> so, uh that started kind of my odyssey of uh playing in europe mm-hmm. um, i thought i was going to go there and play one year and be done and then one year turned into 11 so wow um that was kind of my uh my basketball career from there a couple here then 11 over there wow so uh uh back to our final four uh yep. question two in the final four is what is your all-time favorite book or maybe a good book you've read recently um did, I, there was a good book that I read. I'm trying to remember the title of the book. It was by the former owner of the Philadelphia, former owner of the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, mm. And um, he was a physical therapy guy. And then he built all these, he built this huge chain of physical therapy places. And then he sold them for a ton of money. And he ended up buying the Sixers. Oh, wow. Huh. And um, I can't remember the name of the book, but it just it it showed the the continuous um, ability to strive for excellence yeah. and strive for what you want, and whether you may think it's as outlandish as 
you as as anything but in the end that's what he always wanted he wanted to be not part of an nba team but he wanted to be an owner oh okay and um uh he finally achieved that so it was kind of um something to show that no matter where you are in your life you know your dreams can be fulfilled you know you just got to keep your eye on the prize very cool I'll, I'll think about that book uh that's very my father-in-law's a diehard everything philly so that may be on a might, might be on a future christmas list of his yeah uh, question three here on the final four with Todd Mitchell. If you could wave a wand and do any profession starting tomorrow, what would it be? I would, if I could wave a wand, I would be one of two things. I would either be a backup center in the league. <laughs> I'd either be a backup center in the league or a left-handed reliever. Wow, that's cool. One of those, I could wave a wand. That one, one of those two things, one of those two things, I would be, uh, because both of those things, the backup center, all you're doing is giving the big guy a breather. Yeah. Um, the press is never going to get on you, whether the team wins or loses. Yeah. Because you're only playing 15, 15 minutes a night. Yeah. You could probably do that for fifteen years. <laughs> Left-handed reliever, you're coming in maybe every night. But you only got one or two batters, right? And you got one or two batters, and if the team's losing that night, you don't even have to work. So it's a great gig. Those are good gigs. Those are those are I've those are the guys that uh, they're the ones that write the books at the end of their career. Like, man, I had a really good run here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Maybe more of a run than they even deserve. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> And our final question here on the Final Four with Todd Mitchell is, what is a little-known fact or maybe something that no one knows about you or not many people know about you? Um, let me see. Little-known fact, little fact is that uh, I am, I am a, a big archery guy. Really? Yes. How did I, I not? Have, how did we not I, know this? I, nobody, no, I don't think anybody ever knew that. Do you compete? I, I started. Um, I compete in local leagues in Ohio. No kidding! Wow. Yeah, I compete in local leagues in Ohio. I got a huge setup in my backyard. Uh, my my kids know how. My kids know. I I started them out as youngsters doing it. I feel like that was a great family thing that we could all do together because it's it's not you know gender specific yeah it's not uh athleticism specific and um i started that as a youngster when i was going to summer camp and i just kind of when i retired from playing ball i wanted something that i could do to compete and I knew I couldn't compete at a high level in basketball anymore, and I did like archery. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go back and I'm going to be the best archer that I can be, and that's and that's what I do a lot. Wow, that is really cool. I had no idea that uh, that was something that you were into. Yeah, it's cool. a very odd thing. Yeah, but but, uh, but very cool, and and it's a yeah. uh, it. What's the hardest part of that um, 
you know, you step to the line, you got to make a shot. You got to make, you know, I assume everything's bullseyes or are there different targets? Yeah, I mean, throughout? everything's bullseyes, but everything's on a numbers perspective. Gotcha. You know, um, but, uh, you know, the toughest thing is to step up when you're, when you know that you need to hit a certain number and to be able to hit that. Um, and is very it similar to, very similar to being in a game and you're down one, down two and you know you got to hit a three to win yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very similar to that kind of adrenaline. Uh, but staying calm, right? You got to have the nerves what, of a surgeon doing time, that. Staying calm. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That is and really you cool. Trust in, you have to trust in the time that you practiced and the work that you put in mm-hmm. and be confident in in your shot. Same, same, same dynamic as all the other sports that we play wow that is awesome that's really cool i had no idea that's a great way great way to end this conversation with uh (laughs) with with that kind of a fact that's awesome well todd thanks so much man for taking time it's always great to talk to you um you know for our fans who are out there um you know i know they'd be thrilled to know that you know you're so involved with the program still and and still a guy that we talk to several times a year and um we we're we're never uh we're never surprised when we occasionally get a phone call from you that said, hey, check out this kid in my area. He might have some game. And we, we always appreciate you thinking of us and uh, your involvement here with Purdue Basketball. Hey, well, I appreciate you letting me on and uh, uh, look forward to next year and, and see how see how that turns out. It's be a transitional year, but um, there are a lot of transitional years that we thought that they were going to be that, but they turned out to be uh, – uh, really great year so looking forward to uh 2000 2021 yep i agree i think we'll all be happy to to get back to some sense of normalcy and hopefully that's not too far down the road so we hope okay well thanks again todd appreciate the time okay uh, that i was, appreciate it all right that Talk was ep- to you soon sounds great that was uh thanks, ep- thanks todd episode Thank 70 here on the boiler ball podcast appreciate todd for taking time to join us Appreciate you all for listening as well. We've uh, we hear from several of you from time to time, and um, it, it's always great to uh, to hear uh, your feedback. Um, if you have any uh, any questions or uh, comments for the show, please keep those coming. You can always drop us a line at boilerballpodcast at gmail boilerballpodcast at gmail dot com. And uh, want to ho- make sure everybody is uh, staying safe out there during this time of COVID. Episode 70 here in the books. We'll talk to you next time. I want to thank everybody for listening. And until next time, be curious, be informed, and be well.